0: Well, uh, also, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Hope it was a great week. Um, we, uh, as a family, went to visit our Caddy's uh, uh, brother um, and wife and four boys um, in uh, in Virginia. And then during the course of that time, g Ma, Grandma made her way in, and also another uh, sister and sister. Uh, and child so it was uh, a full house Um, all of us uh, underneath the the same roof uh, eating in the same kitchen and sticking our head in the same refrigerator and sharing a couple uh, bathrooms we uh, got to know one another real well Um, some ways we didn't want to know one another real well and I didn't want to be known that, uh, that well. But y- you know, you, you wake up, you put on your robe, your slippers, your morning hair, morning breath, morning odor, and you just get the coffee and hang out for a little bit in the kitchen and learn about one another, and it gets real. Kathy had a conversation with her sister you know, about parenting one afternoon. Sat with g one morning, just a, you know, a conversation about family. A brother-in-law and I had a conversation just about work and jobs. and What's the hardest part of your job? What's the hardest part of, of yours? And then a, a walk at one time with a, with a nephew through the woods and a conversation about deer hunting, of which he was dressing too. During the course of that, that week, you know, when, when you live under the same roof, when you, you, you share the, 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 the same uh, place of habitation closely, especially when it's cold outside, it gets real. That's what we're going to talk about this season about living under the same roof with God that when when god became human when when jesus god the son became human and lived under the same roof shared the, the same space had the, the same kind of human experience that we have it gets real in a hurry and i think that's the point of christmas and so this this season we're really going to focus on the incarnation That God becomes flesh. That's what we mean when we say incarnation. You know, chili con carne, with meat. You know, God got meat, got flesh, just like us. Skin and hair and bones. And because he visits us face to face, it makes our relationship more real. In a sense, because God became human, it, it honors, it validates our humanity. That God shared existence similar to ours. I mean, In a way, it's an honor. I mean, uh, Tommy and his wife and family, they were honored, believe it or not, that we came to visit. And you know, we've got fr- friends uh, from North Carolina coming up to visit next weekend. And we're honored, excited for them to stay With us. How much more so are we honored that God became human? Shared the same kind of existence that we have. You know, think God could have come in a different form. He could have come in some spiritual form, right? Some some way that he would avoid what we experience as humans, could have come as some superhuman kind of it could have come as an angel or some kind of angelic spiritual expression, but instead he came as a human. and, he, and even he came as a human. he could have come as an adult, just come right in as an adult, you know and skipped over the diapers' part, you know, bypassed the toddling, terrible twos, and just just jumped all over adolescence and just skipped it and come as an adult. but instead he comes as a full human, just like you and me. Fully immersed into our experience. Which gives our humanity great value. And so what we'll, we're going to do is think about the implications. Of the, what are the effects of this? What does this, this mean that God, the creator of the universe, chose to then come as a human being and share in our existence. Not just an inspiring story, not just a story to secure our salvation. There's more to it than that. Today what we'll talk about is that makes pleasure real. That, that Jesus became human and experienced pleasure as we were created to experience pleasure, bodily pleasure in, in our full senses of humanity. He also experienced pain. We won't talk about that today. We'll get to that come Good Friday and Easter and those seasons. Uh, We'll talk about that then. I, I think we don't talk about the sense of God creating us to enjoy and to have pleasure enough. And so therefore, we don't know what to do with it. So today, we'll look and see how God created human bodily pleasure as a gift from God to us to enjoy, and that Jesus validates that in coming in the fullness of humanity. Our first passage is in Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning, the the creation itself, and it's on page 1 if you want to turn there or you can follow along on the screen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your word. Uh, Speak to us in this time so so that we uh, might follow you in mind, spirit, and body, in the fullness, the, the reality of your creation. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. All right, Genesis chapter 1, starting with verse 27. I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth everything that has breath of life I have given every green plant for food and it was so God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Everything that God had created was provided for the creation to enjoy. It was all then very good. Plants, animals, humanity, the full of creation, in in perfect union with one another, enjoying God's creation. C.S. Lewis um, talks. He was a British Christian uh, about 100 years ago. Um, uh, He died in the 60s. Um, And uh, he's written a number of things about pleasure and and how uh, we we have missed an understanding of of God's creation of pleasure for us, the creating of things for us to enjoy. Uh, This is from his book called Mere Christianity. I know some muddle-headed Christians have talked as if Christianity thought that sex or the body or pleasure were bad in themselves. But they were wrong. Christianity is almost the only one of the great religions which thoroughly approves of the body, which believes that matter is good, that God himself once took on a human body, that some kind of body is going to be given to us even in heaven and is going to be an essential part of our happiness, our beauty, and our energy. And Jesus shows us that, that that we are in bodily form and will be for all of eternity. Because remember, Jesus, when he died, and then he was raised to new life in his glorified body, and that body showed his scars, that there was continuity from his body on earth to his body in heaven. And that God has created this body, good and beautiful, to enjoy the benefits of God's creation. Our, our bodies, our physical bodies, are not just the package that the good stuff is in. Now, our, our bodies are not Amazon Prime packaging for our soul. Our bodies are part of who we are, what we were created for, to enjoy God's creation. Not just sort of a bland carrier of what's really important. It is part of who God's created us to be. Turn with me to Psalm uh, chapter 16, uh, starting with verse 5. It's on page 430 in your pew Bible, or you can follow on the screen. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want you to say that last sentence. With me. Fourth line down, it you know, begins with N, ends with forevermore. Let's just say that together. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It is a part of God's good creation, the human experience of pleasure. And, and isn't you know, Jesus' first miracle a great expression of that? You know, Jesus' first miracle in the book of John, he tells us that Jesus was at a party. And at this party, it was a big wedding party. And Jesus saved the party. You know, he's, he's the one because they ran out of wine. And so this was going to be disastrous. And Jesus then took some foot-washing water, ceremonial foot-washing water, and he turned it into wine. And not just any kind of wine, but the finest wine that tasted exquisite. God has created us to enjoy the pleasures of His creation. Now, for some of you, that may be the first time you've heard that in church. Because usually, as C.S. Lewis talked about, we tend to avoid pleasure we're scared of pleasure. We even might say it's bad. And we're fully aware there's a huge problem with pleasure in our human condition that we misuse it. That, that what God has created for us to enjoy is so good that often it will take our feeble mind's attention off of the giver and onto the gift. And we will then pursue the pleasure instead of the creator of that pleasure. We misuse the pleasures of God's gifts by abusing them, pursuing them instead of God, misusing them. It's a crucial point. It's a crucial point of a, of a huge wreck of what God has intended and how we destroy God's intentions and God's creation by taking His good pleasures and misusing it and pursuing them. C.S. Lewis wrote about this as well in his book called Screwtape Letters. And in this book, it's a great, brilliant book, where he's got some senior devils that are trying to train some junior devils. Um, and trying to 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 take people and um, knock them from following um, God, uh, wanting to try to bring them onto the, his team instead of to god 's team and so there there's a, a letter where the senior devil is writing the younger devil now remember in this letter you've got to sort of think upside down and inside out the enemy is God, and the master is the devil because these are demons that are writing to one another and so the 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 Master um, demon is writing to the younger demon. This is what he says. Never forget that when we are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal and satisfying form, we are, in a sense, on the enemy's ground, on God's ground. I know we've won many a soul through pleasure. All the same, it is the enemy's invention and not ours. He made the pleasures. All our research so far has not enabled us to produce one. All we can do is to encourage humans to take the pleasures which our enemy has produced, to take them at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. Hence, we always try to work away from the natural condition of any created pleasure to that in which it is least natural. To which it is least connected to its maker and ultimately least pleasurable. An ever increasing craving for an ever diminishing pleasure is the formula to get man's soul and give nothing in return. That is what really gladdens the master's heart. An ever increasing craving for an ever diminishing pleasure is the formula. We take God's good pleasures, and we misuse them, abuse them, and overwhelm them, and they become our focus instead of the Creator. So in that way, we do need to be aware of the power of pleasure in our lives, but not be scared of it. Here's one of my favorite, family favorite uh, passages in Proverbs 25, verse 16. Just to let you know a little secret, in the first service I had written down 17, and uh, um, which was not a good one to use, uh, which was, "Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, otherwise the neighbor will become weary of you and hate you." That was, uh, uh, don't know how we got that, but. Just so you let you in, his first service says, that was so funny, and you're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) But verse 16, if you have found honey, eat only enough for you. Or else, having too much, you will vomit it. Yeah, one of the great real expressions of the scriptures. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, honey. I love honey. It's good stuff. What a great picture, but if you eat too much, it's going to get messy and ugly in a hurry. And isn't in a funny way that true about the pleasures that God has created for us? Whereas we can't get enough of Jesus, we can get enough of the stuff of this world. And that is key, that we enjoy the pleasures that God has created in the ways that God has created for us to enjoy them. So that we not be scared, but that we happily pursue God and enjoy what God has created for us. So, what does that mean for us? Just just in this Advent season, just in this season of, of preparation for Christmas. It means one, you be real. Be real and enjoy the stuff of the season that you enjoy. I mean, what are the the bodily pleasures that you enjoy of the season, man? If it's pumpkin pie, then get you a nice big piece. Now, if it's pine, you love pine, then, man, go hang out at a Christmas tree farm. Fill the room. If If it's a movie, if it's a book, if it's some show, some performance, then, man, go to it. Enjoy it. Take every opportunity to to be with the people that bring you joy, that give you life. Enjoy them. Understand that, that this is part of God's gift of creating us to enjoy the real life pleasures in real space and time in our real bodies, just like Jesus. But in all things, every time, that you enjoy the pleasures of God. The key secret to being sure you don't get caught up in those pleasures is to stop and give thanks at every turn to the Creator of what is good and right and pleasurable. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Found on 964 in your pew Bible if you want to turn there. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the later times, some will renounce the faith by paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared with a hot iron. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected provided it is received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by God's word and by prayer. If there's anything to to be careful of in this season is to to be careful of of getting caught into the, the messages of the world around us and reacting to those messages instead of pursuing what is real let's make it this season that we're not going to be a bunch of naysayers. We're not going to be complaining about the commercialization of Christmas. We're not going to be complaining, well, they tell us we can only say happy holidays instead of merry Christmas. We're not going to complain about that. We're not going to get caught into the over santinization of Christmas. We're not going to complain about the commercialization. We're not going to get caught into all of that. We're going to focus our attention on the good pleasures that God has given us and enjoy that this season. Because what the church needs, what the world needs, is a people who are sold out to a God who is good. who are are living real lives with the real Jesus and experiencing God's real pleasure in this life. That's what the world needs. So don't get caught into the world's battles of the way that the evil one wants to rob us of simply the pleasures that God has given us to enjoy. So catch yourself this season. When you catch yourself complaining, wonder how in the world can you complain in a season that celebrates that God became human and lived with us and died for us and one day will come back to rescue us. Look for the ways. Even if it's sweet potatoes with pecans and brown sugar. Isn't that a great thing? You know, it's dessert, but you get to eat it like it's a vegetable. Man, brilliant. Whatever it might be, enjoy the things of this season that bring you pleasure. They're a gift from God. And at every turn, give thanks to the one who gave them to you. Amen.